0: Hey there, welcome to episode number 18. The title of today's podcast is Trimetrics Demystified. If you have ever heard of Trimetrics or you're looking, have not heard of Trimetrics, but you're looking for a tool for better hiring, to make better hiring decisions, and a coaching tool, this episode is for you. If you have worked with me or worked with other consultants using the Trimetrics tool and have been curious about What's the history? How does it work? How do you read it? This is also the episode for you. So we are going to demystify Trimetrics today. Trimetrics is a hiring and coaching assessment tool that I use probably in 90% of my business. And what we're going to do is talk about what it is and how to use it. Talk about how you use it for hiring, how you use it for coaching. We're going to talk about the history of it so you can understand a little bit about where it came from. Some people ask, hey, is this your assessment? No, it's way bigger than me. And oftentimes knowing what the history is is helpful. It's been around since the 1960s. And we're going to talk about the science of axiology. And you can better understand what that is. It's a science that measures how people think and make decisions. And we're going to talk about how that science is in this tool And I'm going to talk more about, for those of you who have seen the assessment, how to read and understand the Dimensional Balance page. So it's an action-packed, information-packed, really, uh, podcast today, and it's all about demystifying trimetrics. So let's get started. Hi, my name is Susie Price, and I am with Priceless Professional Development. I am a professional facilitator and consultant, and I am your hostess here at the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast, where we focus on building energy, commitment, and communication in organizations. And uh, that's our focus. And today is episode number 18, and the show notes for this episode can be found at pricelessprofessional.com slash trimetrics, and it's spelled T R I. M-E-T-R-I-X, TriMetrics, all lowercase. So I want to start out today telling you about a personal story. It is, uh talks about before I knew TriMetrics and some decisions that I made as a manager. And I want to tell you about that story. And then we're going to go into what I talked about in the intro, the TriMetrics tool. So let's talk about uh, my experience as a hiring manager. You know, they say that... Uh, that when you're in management and companies say it all the time that the that people are your greatest asset and really to improve that statement you'd say the right people are your greatest asset and you never know how important that is until you become a manager and you never know how hard it is until you become a manager to get the right people in the right seats right if you've struggled with that i first realized that 20 years ago when I was promoted into a management role. And it was very a very proud moment that I had been recognized as doing a really good job and that I would be a good manager. And so I felt very proud of that. And I also felt a little worried, at wondering, you know, am I up for the challenge? Can I do this? And so I kind of had mixed feelings, and I'm sure that's common. And one of the things that I was managing or groups that I was managing was a wellness facility. And it was a small group. There were two nurses and a part-time doctor. But they had important responsibilities because they took care of and counseled our 1,200 employees. It was a regional office. And so they touched all of our employees. And they were a big part of our culture, that whole wellness facility. Now, our doctor there, he was part-time. And his name was Dr. Pleasant. He was warm and kind and personable. He was exactly who you'd want to go see if you were at work and you had a health issue and you needed support. He was like the best counselor, pastor, doctor you ever knew. He was funny and he could make people feel better. And he helped people in the organization. He'd been been with the organization for many, many years. And he had touched employees around health issues, family issues, career issues, very sensitive employment issues, and he really was a key part of our family atmosphere there in that company. And Dr. Pleasant, right as I was promoted to manager of that department, was retiring. And, you know, he was so popular that I can remember the day the announcement came out, people made a beeline to his office because they knew he was there that day, and they were wishing him well, and then after that you saw gifts and cards and parties and appreciation to somebody who'd really made a difference in a lot of people's lives. So my first big responsibility as a new hiring manager was to find the perfect replacement for this wonderful human being, Dr. Pleasant. So I, I like a challenge. You know, I, I thought, oh, I'm excited about it. And then I had that mixed feeling again, a little bit of panic. I mean, it might be impossible to replace Dr. Pleasant. I mean, right. And then I reminded myself, hey, I am bright and capable. I've read all kinds of leadership development books and management books. I've taken leadership development training and I bolstered myself up and said, I can do this. I can do this. I may be a new manager, but I'm smart. I can do this. I mean, how hard can it be? How hard can it be to hire somebody? So I quelled some of my nervousness, but I was getting pressure. People would stop me in the hall and ask different managers and executives, have you found the replacement yet? Have you found the replacement yet? So people were eager to know who the replacement was going to be, and uh, I was nervous. So what I did is what most hiring managers do. I learned about the job. I reread the job description, and I placed an ad, and hundreds of resumes came through. And in the interview process, I interviewed Dr. Hurt. I I interviewed him kind of early on, but he stood out because he was very conversational in the interview. He was a good fit for the position in regard to where he lived and his background, and he was open to a part-time position. He was asked good questions. He said all the right things to the questions I asked him He seemed really interested in the position. I contacted his references, his background check, everything came out fine. And so guess who I hired? Dr. Hurt. And when I made the offer and he accepted, it was like my first hire as a hiring manager. And and, uh, I did good. I'm okay. It's all going to be okay. Well... You know it's going to be a bad day when you hear your newly hired Dr. Hurt arguing with one of your executive vice presidents. I was walking down the hall, no kidding, and I'm hearing some noise and an argument outside an office, and it's Dr. Hurt and this executive. Earlier on in the week when he came on board, I was a little concerned about his grasp of the position and of other things because he asked me, how often are employee annual checkups? Annual checkups? So I was slightly worried, and then when I heard the argument, I was big time worried. You see, Dr. Hurt had the right background, and he said all the right things, but what I found out Early on, first month in the job, he just wasn't a great fit. He wasn't a great fit for our company. We needed somebody like Mother Teresa. He came across like Donald Trump. We needed Doogie Howser, M.D. and Doctor Hurt, more like Simon Cowell. We needed care and compassion, and he was. A lot like a lot of other doctors. So did Dr. Hurd have the background? Yes. Was he willing to do the job and interested in it? Sincerely interested? Yes. But his style, his attitude, and his competence, the personal skills, the types of things that he was best at using and liked to use the most were not a fit. So I learned a hard lesson. I had to fire him. That was a difficult day. If any of you remember the first time you ever had to fire someone, no fun, even if they're not a good fit. It's just a hard thing to do. But eventually we did hire somebody who worked out beautifully, but not before I learned a really, really hard lesson is, and that is you can't hire for background because if you do, sometimes you're going to end up firing for attitude and lack of fit. So the bottom line was that Dr. Hurt was a good person. And he had a good track record. And in other environments, he was a good fit. But in our job, he was a dud. And he wasn't the winner that we needed in the position. And it was a tough pill to swallow early on in my management career. And, you know, I don't know. Have you ever, you who who are are listening here today, have you ever hired someone who's not been a good fit and and said all the right things in the interview, but then didn't work out on the job? We know how painful that can be, right? Since that time, the Dr. Hurt, Dr. Pleasant experience, I've been immersed in every aspect of interviewing, uh, everything from interviewing hundreds of candidates to teaching hundreds of people how to get a job. And then 2004, when I started my business at Priceless Professional Development, I became certified in TriMetrics, which is the focus of this podcast today. It is a patented hiring benchmark process that you can use in coaching and in hiring that helps companies hire superior performers. And I've probably debriefed 500 candidate assessments. So debriefing meaning reading the report and giving the employer information about the assessment. And uh, I also focus on interviewing through my interview book that I write, How to Hire a Superior Performer. So I've really taken that pain of the time I hire the wrong person and found tools and resources that I really enjoy sharing via my work in in workshops, in my book, in a podcast. And the reason is because it just makes such a difference. If you don't have the right person in the right seat, you're going to have problems with motivation. You're going to have problems with productivity. And so I love having these inside tools. And I can remember when I first got certified in Trimetrics. It was here. They had a group here in Atlanta. They were certifying. I participated, and I don't think I slept for three days afterwards. I was so excited about what the tool, Trimetrics, meant and how it was going to help people. And so I'm super excited to bring it to you today because what I want you to do is to understand the tool so you can decide if you aren't using it, if you do want to use it, and if you are using it, how to get more out of it. So I want to help you use this tool so that you can uh, figure out who the superior performers are. Because the tool helps you look at not just the person, but how they fit in the job. So that you never have to do the the unpleasant part of having to fire someone because they aren't a fit. Or go through the situation like I did with Dr. Hurt. Um, where if I had known what I was doing then and it had better tools, I um, could have done a better job. So that's what we're going to focus on today. We're going to focus on the trimetrics one of the big problems that happens in interviews is people do what I did. They over-focus on background and experience and what the person says. And um what we need is tools that help us get beneath that because think about it. Think back about a time when someone you hired didn't work out. Can you think of anybody specific or somebody, even if you didn't hire them, but they were on your team and they weren't effective and it was dragging the team down, dragging performance down, What were the problems? What were they doing? What didn't work? What frustrated you? And what I often hear, because I often get the calls, I've got so-and-so in a job and they're not working out. Can you come coach them? Can we do something with them? And often what I hear, and I've observed it too with people I've worked with over the years in different companies, is um, if they're a manager, maybe one of the problems is they can't develop other people. They're not good at coaching or leading. Um, Maybe they complain and whine, or they can't keep up, or they have lots of turnover in their department, or they blame others, or they're disorganized. It's all these soft skill things that we need to be looking for in the interview, as opposed to just background and experience. I had the opportunity of hearing uh, Georgia Labor Commissioner Mark Butler speak a while back, and he shared in some of their research that 69 percent of The reasons people are let go 69% of the time is due to personal skills. Like what I was just talking about, Um, you know, out of step with the culture, uh, can't get things done, disorganized, all of those things. So most of the time people are let go due to personal skills. But what do we do in an interview? We over-focus on what background and how much we like them. And it's expensive to make a wrong hire. It can be anywhere to one and a half to eight times the salary, of the person. So it's, it costs the company money. We call it the silent killer of corporate profitability because it's killing profitability, but it's not realized or understood always the cost of turnover when someone's not a good fit. So let's, let's start talking about what people bring to the job. You know, we look at their resume and we see how they interview and how they talk to us. So they bring their, their style, the things you see, they bring their background and experience but you know what they also bring? They bring their drivers, their motivating forces, things that say, I, I like to do this the most. This motivates me. They bring that to the job, and that's hard to see unless you're looking for it. They also bring personal skills. How good are they in working with a team? How strong are they in, in interpersonal skills? Do they take accountability for themselves? Are they good at accountability for others? And that's things you can't see. Now, what I do is I use a car analogy um, to explain those areas. So picture, if I talk about roads traveled, that's talking about what somebody brings to the job, their background and experience. When we talk about their style, that is, you know, personality. Hello, how are you? They're talkative or they're reserved. And I, with the car analogy thing, I use, you know, how they tend to drive. So how people see them, how they would be described, how they act in an interview or in a meeting. And then. The What their motivator is, that's something you can't see, but what drives them to perform? That's what fills up their gas tank in the car analogy. And then how do they think and make decisions? So, you know, how strong are they in those personal skills like teamwork and, and interpersonal skills and accountability? And I call that being under the hood. So we've got a roadmap. We say, okay, here's the roads they traveled. Here's their style. is how they drive. Here's their motivators. What fills their tank? And then here's how they think and make decisions, what's under the hood. That's what people bring to the job. So when we interview and we pay only attention to the roads traveled and their style, we're missing some key elements. And so, and we have to look at those key elements because it's going to make a difference as to whether they're going to perform well on the job. We have to get away from anybody can be trained to do any job and I'll just train them and they'll get it. There's no way. Dr. Hurt was never going to fit our culture because he wasn't a good fit. His drivers, what drove him to perform, and what was under the hood, what we couldn't see or I didn't look for in the interview, didn't fit. And those things aren't going to be remedied with training overnight. You know, people bring who they are to the job. And who they are is not only their background and experience, but it is their motivators and their personal skills, the stuff under the hood. So, we've got to quit hiring with our heart and um, use our head by using tools that help us look at these other areas, what fills their tank, what's under the hood. And so, what, uh, what Trimetrics does is measure that. Trimetrics is, uh, has measures three different sciences. Try, see the the tri part, try, it's a trimodal assessment. And some of the research has said that if you use one assessment in hiring, you're going to have about 60% accuracy in predicting whether they match the job and are going to be a good fit. If you use two assessments, you're 80% accurate. And if you use three assessments, according to research, you're 93% accurate in predicting that they're going to be successful in the job. So trimetrics, trimodal, gives us that. The Department of Labor also also recommends that you have Three views when you are hiring, so three views of the person, and that's what TriMetrics gives you. And let me say this, when you do use an assessment on the job, you should count for less than 70% of any management decision. Whether you're using it for coaching or using it for hiring or to figure out who to promote, it should be less than 30% of the decision. So it's a piece of the puzzle, and it gives you some things you can't see. But you still have to rely the 70%, 71% actually, is the, the uh, experience, how they were on the resume, what they, how they were in the interview, um, how the, what the references said. Um, so you have to balance all that out. So what makes TriMetrics unique? One, it measures three sciences, and it also allows you to match a candidate, to what the job needs. So we have benchmarks that we create. So Trimetrics not only measures the candidate, you can use Trimetrics to measure the job, and then you can match them to say where is the match. So you get this very nice one-page graph that's color-blocked and said, okay, this is where they matched what your job said it needed, and this is where they didn't. So you get very clear uh, idea of where to follow up, where's the mismatch. And so different from assessments like Myers-Briggs or uh just disc alone or fibro b or hbdi or predictive index those assessments all measure calipers another one they measure one science or two sciences but none of them measure three sciences and then in addition with trimetrics not only do you get the three sciences which is 93% more uh accurate when you use that what you predict the performance will be you'll be 93% accurate it also with the three sciences measures fit on the job so powerful and that's kind of that's what makes trimetrics unique. Well let's see what, what trimetrics measures. So if we go back to the car analogy, I already introduced you to that, and I'll have some pictures on the show notes page, which is pricelessprofessional.com slash trimetrics, T-R-I-M-E-T-R-I-X, lowercase. You can go there and you'll see the some pictures. And we say that um Trimetrics measures how a person drives, so that's the DISC assessment. Many people are familiar with DISC, so it gives you a view of how they drive, and that's your behavioral style. It gives you a view of what fills their gas tank, and that's your motivators. This is your interest, your drivers, what really interests you. That's something that's not visible, but it does drive your behavior, so it, it tells you what fills a candidate's gas tank, what gives them energy. And when, when what gives them energy matches what the job rewards, you're more likely to have long-term motivation. It measures under the hood. So you pop your, pop your latch on your, um, car and you look under the hood and what do you see? And for us, it measures how a person thinks and feels. And that's an assessment that it measures personal skills and it's based on that science axiology that I mentioned in the very intro, which we're going to talk about today. And then lastly, Trimetrics measures fit. It'll tell you how much risk you have in regard to how the person fits or does not match the job in those areas. So assessment results help you understand the person and then the the job assessment helps you understand the job and we match those. And what we're trying to find out is, you know, are they, and this is a quote from Dr. Hartman, who is somebody I'm going to talk about in a minute there, in a minute here. He is the founder of the science of the axiology. And he said, and they said this in the 60s and 70s, where he had large companies using his assessments, Siemens, Volkswagen, Alcoa, in very early stages of his assessments, the science of axiology, which is what we use today as part of what uh, under the hood measures on trimetrics. He said this, are they, what you're trying to find out is, are they going to be happy? Are they going to be productive? Will they want to stay? Will they own their job? Will they contribute their talent generously? That's what we need to know, right? Think about it. When you're interviewing somebody, when I was interviewing Dr. Hurd, I needed to know if he's going to be productive. Will he stay? Is he going to own his job? Is he going to contribute their talent, his talent generously? And, you know, is he a fit? Does he match? And in that case, I didn't ask all the right questions and I didn't do enough digging. And I wish I'd had something like Trimetrics to help me force me to do the digging. But, at the end of the day, that did not happen and we, we landed with uh, having a tool that I really appreciate and I love using with people. So let's go to what TriMetrics measures. So now let's go to what TriMetrics measures. It measures, I've talked a little bit, I'm going to give you some, some materials on each. It measures style. How a person drives in the car analogy. And that's the disc assessment. Many of you are familiar with it. I did a podcast, my very first podcast, actually, when I first started Wake Up Eager Workforce. And that episode is pricelessprofessional.com slash disc, a D-I-S-C, all lowercase. And there, what we talked about is strengths and how to use the disc assessment. And I actually interviewed a human resource consultant who uses the disc assessment. And so you can find out more about the DISC part. You remember we said trimodal. Trimetrics is trimodal. So that's one assessment, DISC. The second assessment in trimetrics is the motivators. It's workplace motivators. It measures a person's personal interests, uh, interests, values, and attitudes. And it gets you to what drives them to take action. And now I did two podcasts on that. Episode number two uh, the title is "More Motivation in the Workplace," and I talk about the Workplace Motivators Assessment. And I interview one of my colleagues, Doug Smart, and we had a great conversation around um, using the Workplace Motivators Assessment. And it is can be found at pricelessprofessional dot com slash more motivation. All lowercase, one word. And then Episode 7, I did another podcast, 17, excuse me, Episode 17, um, about the workplace motivators. And I use Go Through the Four-Step Process for More Motivation. And um, it's an acronym, M-O-R-E. And I give five interview questions. You could ask candidates to help call out what their motivators are. Even if you never use the assessment, it'll have you thinking about a person's you know, it's not just their style in the interview and not just the background, but what are their drivers? What gets them to want to take action? And that can be found at pricelessprofessional.com slash moremotivation2, the number two. So more motivation, all one word, lowercase with the number two next to it. And that'll get you to episode 17. But I haven't done any podcasts around how we measure what's under the hood. And that is how people think and how they make decisions, and it will give you insight on where is their natural ability. What can they easily do? So under the hood, what does that tell you? It tells you how the car runs, and it's not something you can see unless you go looking for it, so it's not visible like the style is. You can't guess this. Usually what happens under the hood is what you see six months after someone's on the job. So how do we measure what's under the hood? We use the science of axiology, which Dr. Hartman founded or discovered this science. And so that is the science behind the under, under the hood part of the trimetrics assessment. And what, what, what comes out of that is on the, in the trimetrics assessment, you have a, a graph that we call the dimensional balance page, which I'm going to talk to you about and give you a picture of on the show notes. And it also calls that, it measures some dimensions of how we think. And those get uh, measured out by uh, personal skills, and you have that measured in the assessment. So let's back up so I can go with me on, okay, fit. let's talk about what the science axiology is. Let's talk about this dimensional balance page, and let's look at the personal skills that are measured. So this is really getting into the meat of it here in regard to This is the heavy. If you think about, you know, this is the, this is the horsepower of the trimetrics assessment. This is really the juice. This is the area that you most need to know about. I needed to know about that for Dr. Hurt, how he thinks and makes decisions, his level of compassion, his level of ability to tune into others, work with others. And then also his drivers, he needed to be more social altruistic, which is more like Mother Teresa, uh, but he was more utilitarian and exacting, which is more like a business person, and that wasn't the fit that we needed. So um the the science of axiology really gives you the meat, and as well as the motivators is another piece that really gives you insights that are hard to get if you're not looking for them and you'll you you lose that and we give you interview questions and those types of things to help you look for them and then the assessment of course tells you for sure where they land in those areas. So let's go to science of axiology. So axiology is a logic-based science and basically what Dr. Hartman the founder of the science of axiology figured out is that we make actions and We make decisions and take actions using our mental and emotional capacities. And axiology measures our mental and emotional capacities. So it measures the quality of our judgment and decision-making by gauging our mental clarity and emotional orientation and conditioning. So it's basically a study, what Hartman called, he said, it's the study of one's thinking habits. So, was it? Wouldn't it be smart to know someone's thinking habits? Those are highly ingrained. They've happened over a long time and they're measuring things like how well does this person understand people? And what's the emotional relationship this person has with people? How well does this, under, this person understand how to get things done? And what's the emotional relationship? Do they like to get things done or are they frustrated by getting things done? What is this person's clarity around understanding big picture systems, um, and it, it there's six dimensions that we'll talk about that that are dimensions that we use when we think, and it's changed my own development of myself just knowing about these six dimensions. So we're going to go into that. I want to tell you a little bit about the history of Dr. Hartman and, you know, how I discovered uh, the science of axiology. So oftentimes people ask, hey, is this your assessment? And I'm I think, oh heavens no, this has a ton of history to it. Uh and I'm uh doctor Schirkauer was his now well, he was just Robert Schirkauer at the time, he he fled Germany in nineteen thirty two with a fake passport. He had rejected communism and at a very early age, I'm reading his biography right now, but at a very early age he believed that every life is sacred and that you cannot kill people for an idea. He just didn't even though he was uh, born in Germany, he just did not buy into everything that was going on. So he left in 1932. He fled on a fake German passport. When he got here to the United States, he changed his name to Robert S. Hartman, went on to get several PhDs, wrote 12 books and hundreds of articles. And I mentioned earlier in the 70s, he passed away mid 70s, right as he was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. He was working with companies using the science of axiology, like Siemens, Volkswagen, Alcoa. All were using what at the time what was called the Hartman Value Profile. And what he wanted to do, and, and searched, uh, researched, and studied to come up with, was a way to recognize the good within each of us. So he had seen evil, and he said, "Let's let's figure out how we become and be good." Was is the word he used and and we want to use that to enrich lives. So he wanted to have a, have a way for people to measure the highest standard that they could get to and where they met that standard and then how to improve to get to the higher standard of the best thinking that you could give. Um, and how you can think and be all that you can be. Self-actualization is, is what he, um, focused on. And I understand that he was, friends with or colleagues with uh, Abraham Maslow, who talked about the way that we figure out, you know, we start from we've got to have security first. And as we move through the different dimensions of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the very top is self-actualization, but we have to have the other needs met first. And so what Dr. Hartman's program came up with is what is self-actualization? What does that actually look like? And so he, he developed the science, and then he had a graduate student who I've studied with, Dr. Medford, and doc, Dr. Medford took his work, and they, he was the founder of the Hartman Institute, which is still around today, and Dr. Medford trained people like me, and he brought the science to TTI. Uh, Success Insights, which is an assessment vendor out of Phoenix and is my vendor. So that's how I got connected with it. And TTI has um, three decades of research, and they have data pools of millions of individuals and four patents, and they've been published in many magazines, Harvard Business, Inc., um, International Association for Human Resource Management. Um, So you got Hartman, and then Hartman's graduate assistant is how I found it, Dr. Medford. Dr. Medford brought the science, the Hartman science, Hartman value profile to TTI. TTI uh, was able to take the uh, assessment and the science and put it on all online so it could be easily used and it became trimetrics. So, and then I, I've been using, I was certified, as I mentioned earlier, 2004, we get recertified every two years to stay on top of the new science and new developments because they're always evolving how they're assessing and validating the assessment. And so that's, that's a little bit of the history. So it has a rich history and, and it helps to know a little bit about the science of axiology because If, as you understand that, then you can start to understand the personal skills and the graph that is used in the trimetrics assessment, which is the dimensional balance page graph. There are three main dimensions that he discovered, Dr. Hartman, that we use in our thinking and when we make decisions. And we, we think and feel in these three dimensions fluidly at all time, all the time. So there are three dimensions. There's systemic. Extrinsic and intrinsic. So systemic is about the big picture. How, how well do you see how to make big, de- big decisions or how to make strategic decisions, procedures, processes? There is extrinsic, which is getting things done, comparing things, day to day work. And then there's intrinsic, which is feeling people, understanding. So the three dimensions are systemic extrinsic and intrinsic, and we move in and out of those all the time, and if you think of an example of those, you might would say, um, I went on a cruise, and if you said, systemically, you'd say, I'm here to meet women, that's the big picture, that's the strategy, if it was, a, this is my nephew recently went on a cruise, I'm here to meet women, okay, so he's in his 30s, and uh, that would be the systemic, that's a the plan, that's the big picture, Extrinsic is the description of it. Here's the to-dos around it. It's three days. And the women I want to meet are tall and have brown hair. And then the intrinsic dimension is the feeling place of it. I'm at the love of my life. So we move in and out of those. And if we have, the strength is, if we have strength in all three of those dimensions, then our decision-making is stronger because there's a part of every decision that involves people it involves task and it involves the plan. And so if we are weak in any one of those areas, then our decision-making is weak. And we can translate our strength in those three areas into personal skills. And there's a mathematical formula that helps make that translation behind the assessment. And so what we look at is how strong is someone in each dimension, and then what is their emotional relationship in each dimension, and the stronger they are, the clearer they are in each dimension of the systemic, extrinsic, and intrinsic. Then um, it it is an it gets to be an indication if that's something that is a strength and it's something they can do with ease. So we've got the systemic, extrinsic, and intrinsic, and that we measure six areas with those. We measure in external areas, how somebody works in the world. And we measure internal areas, how someone thinks about themselves. So there's actually three dimensions and then six ways of measuring them that, that then are used in a mathematical formula to give us strength on 25 different personal skills. So I'm going to go into the six dimensions and or the six areas from the three dimensions. And there'll be a picture of these six areas and a, what we call the dimensional balance page. So if you've seen Trimetrics, you'll know what the dimensional balance page is. I get questions all the time from people who are coaching clients who say, what is this? Help me understand this. So let's look at each area. Um, the first one, we'll go through the three external areas first. So you get a picture, a snapshot of someone, say if i had had this on Dr. Hurt, I would have been able to understand how strong he is in the one dimension that relates to intrinsic externally, which is understanding others. And this is his ability to understand and discern individual individuality in others. So it tells you about how he stands with interpersonal relationships. How is he able to appreciate others? Does he understand others? Can he perceive the needs of others? Can he adapt to people? And given what I found out after he was on the job, I'm guessing that was not one of his strengths, the understanding others dimension. The next one, externally, so seeing how somebody works in the world, is called practical thinking, and that is how do they get things done, and that's the extrinsic dimension, and I call it feet on the street. This is, you know, can you look at activities that need to be done and pay attention to a detail? Can you work through work processes? Can you adapt to different situations or regard tasks? Do you understand the resources that need to be available? Um, Do you know how to use them? So that is practical thinking. And Dr. Hurt was probably pretty good at that. He was good at getting things done. Systems judgment is systemic from the three dimensions. And it is big picture. And it's approach to authority. And it's understanding laws, policies, rules, procedures. It's thinking and planning on concepts and ideas. It's the ability to understand the big picture or corporate objectives or understand policies or plans. Wouldn't it be helpful if you understood if someone was not very clear there and it was a policy procedure type position or somebody had trouble with authority? My guess is Dr. Hurt had trouble with authority because he did not like reporting to me or any of the other people there. So systems judgment gives you an idea how they're going to work within the structure of the company. Okay, so those are the external uh areas and those three dimensions externally. The dimensional balance page in the trimetrics using the science of axiology also measure, measures internal. How many times have you known someone who was very strong? They knew how to think. They knew how to make decisions. You could see them being very competent, but somehow they would uh turn in on themselves. So they didn't have the inner discipline. They couldn't handle the stress. All of that comes from internal um, awareness and clarity. So how well do I see myself? How how well do I belong? What's the system? <clears throat> what's the strategy or uh, system that I see in place for myself? So the dimensional balance page also measures all of that. So the first one that is intrinsic, which is very personal, and it's the sense of self and it's internal it's you know having a sense of worth an inner sense of worth understanding their identity being comfortable in their own skin knowing who they are um understanding what their personal strengths are what their weaknesses are their self awareness okay so that sense of self wouldn't i don't i'm not thinking don't know for sure cuz i never had the assessment on dr herp and i'm not thinking sense of self was strong because he was very defensive uh role awareness is the second one that is an extrinsic dimension which is about um comparing and understanding the practical things in the world role awareness is uh, understanding if there's harmony or imbalance between a personal and professional roles of an individual do they are they satisfied in their roles do they have contentment um, are they feeling fulfilled? Do they know who they are in social situations? Do they know their place in the world? I call it having a sense of belonging. And what we always look at in coaching situations and in hiring situations around this dimension, role awareness, is, um, do they, if they, if it's, if it's strong, have high clarity, and they have a positive orientation towards it, which you can see in the, in the, A dimensional balance page, there's no barriers to their drive or their motivation or pride in the role. So it's a good sign when you're interviewing somebody if their role awareness is high and positive. You say, oh, they identify with their role. They want to be here. You don't have any obvious barriers that are stopping them from doing their work. Remember now, science of axiology is measuring thinking habits. So these are habits and these are people's orientation towards work. Are they frustrated toward their work or having problems in their roles in the world so that that it would hinder their ability to perform on the job? So role awareness is a powerful dimension to be familiar with within the uh, personal skills section of the trimetrics assessment. And lastly, under the personal or internal scores on the dimensional balance page, we measure self-direction. And this gives us an image or an idea, understanding of someone's sense of structure for themselves. It's systemic and it's measuring structure, plan, but internal. So what's my structure for myself? How self-disciplined am I? How self-organized am I? Do I know what my future holds? Uh, Do I have an idea of where I want to go, where my future is? Do I know who I am and what I want to do and what I ought to do? And I always call this waking up in the morning putting your feet on the floor and knowing where you're going and that that implies a whole different set of energy than someone who's low in self direction who's confused unsure unhappy about their future A great tool to know about for coaching and for hiring. You know, what is happening that's hindering this person from seeing their future? So think about it. When you know you're excited about what's next, what do you do? You bring lots of energy to the work or to your day. When you're not excited or your thinking habit is negative around your future, you have less energy and drive to bring to the job, less initiative naturally. So, I know that was a lot, but those are the six dimensions in the dimensional balance page. So they they all fit with the systemic, extrinsic, and intrinsic dimensions that Dr. Hartman determined, and they're external and internal. Just to recap, we got uh, understanding others, practical thinking, systems judgment, sense of self, role awareness, and self-direction. So that is what is measured in the trimetrics assessment. And when, when you, if you've never seen an assessment, you get the, get a page that has a dimensional balance page, but you also get a lot of other information which we're going to go through around the personal skills. Now let's look at how it does this. So it's interesting when you take this part of the trimetrics assessment, it has no face validity. So, in other words, you cannot look at what they're asking you to do and try to figure out what looks or sounds better and to do, to trick it. Um, we have uh, basically here's here's how it goes. You get eighteen statements, two sets of eighteen statements, and one is for external and one is for internal, and each set of eighteen statements measures how someone values or disvalues each of those six dimensions that we just went through. There are 78 quadrillion ways to rank those two sets of eight, 18. So basically what's what you're asked to do is take these items and put uh, on the external it's what list everything from good to bad and if it's uh, on the Uh, see I think I said that right external items you list what's good to bad so you take these statements and in your own thinking you have to think how you think and say this is good this is the next this is the best number one this is next this is two all the way down to what is bad and the second set measures the internal and that is how which ones do you agree with the most and which ones do you disagree with so you rank them that way we have a reliability score on the assessment, and what we look at is it has to has to be .70 reliable. And what we're looking for there is um, the reliability will tell us if they started it, this if something weird happened, if they took a really long time to take it, if they placed the items in a way that might make you think they didn't understand the instructions. Or if I started it and then my husband finished it, they would notice a huge difference or shift and it would tell us that the assessment is unreliable. So I really like that that piece is there so that I can always test and see, okay, is this reliable data that I can use? So you're getting the clarity. How well does the person understand each one of those dimensions that we just went through? The the understanding others or empathetic outlook, the practical thinking. How well do they understand each one of those? And it's all based on how they ranked those 18 statements. And it tells you snapshot, here's where this person is strong and here's where they're not. In addition, the assessment will give us... um will give us their bias. So, how do I feel? What's my emotional disposition about each dimension? How do I feel about understanding others and practical thinking? It tells you about their orientation and it's based on the movement or where they placed each of the items. Since this is based on math and it, and the movement will tell us where their bias is if it's if it's if they overvalue that area or undervalue that area. And then you can use the clarity, so how strong they scored, to and compare it to population scores so you can see, okay, are they way above the population? So, wow, this is really a strength, or are they way below? And you can also do the same thing with their emotional disposition or how they feel about each each area. Um, you can compare, are they way above population mean or way below? It gives you some ideas there. And on the Dimensional Balance page, what you see, you'll see each of those six dimensions that I just shared and then you see an arrow up which which means they're flowing into that area, they rely on it. You see an arrow down, this is all for the bias, it means there's some distance with this area or caution. Or there's a, a zero and it's that means they're open or objective to that area. So you get a lot to like so say somebody with understanding others has a very high clarity. So that they can score from a, a score of one to ten. If they have a very high clarity and a positive bias You need to see the whole benchmark to know what you really need. But understanding others or uh, uh, empathetic outlook, if they had a positive orientation, it was really high, they might make a great teacher. So it means they really feel into and understand other people and they um, relate to and connect with others. They are good objective listeners. They have strong interpersonal skills, a teacher, a therapist, a coach, customer service. If you have empathetic outlook or understanding others, that's the external people side. Um, you might, in a negative bias, you might say, okay, that'd be a good lawyer. So that means you need the lawyer to, to, uh, be a little bit emotionally distant from people. So the negative bias or the arrow down saying, okay, I keep my, my distance, a lawyer, a TSA agent, quality control, IRS, um, uh, ER nurse, where they just need to remain objective. So, so those are two examples of how you can look at the dimensional balance page and, get an idea of who's a fit and not a fit as a piece of the puzzle. Um, So that gives you the information on the dimensional balance page. The highest score that we ever had in the company was a pig farmer in Iowa, and he met Hartman's perfect order. So he had a high understanding of all dimensions. So he scored on a score of 1 to 10 in each one of those dimensions, understanding others, empathetic outlook, that one, uh, practical thinking, systems judgment, sense of self, role awareness, and self-direction. He scored perfectly uh, in all, and he had the perfect bias. So That's interesting that a big farmer had that. And uh, what you say about that is he he probably wasn't using all those dimensions. It'd be like having a Ferrari in the garage. If you never drive it, you're not using your power. But he had it. And um, also, if you think about what it started out with today, what people bring to a job, you can have all the capacity in the world and not use it. If if the roads traveled, if you look at a map, you know, and say, these are the roads I've traveled and this is where I want to go don't um, allow themselves to help him utilize the pick farmer, utilize all that capacity that he has, then that's a piece, um, that's a reason why you would have that situation. I can remember someone that I worked with had some pretty high capacity on the trimetrics, but she didn't really have the experience to use it. So she really wasn't all that effective on the job. That's why we say 70%, 71% should be your interaction with the client And then the rest helps us fill in the blanks or gives you some areas to at least go follow up. I never tell someone do hire or don't hire. What I do say is here's some of the risk that you might be incurring based on the assessment results of the candidate and how they matched the job candidate or the job benchmark or the job assessment that tells us what the job needs. So the pig farmer uh, scoring perfectly was just perfect because you're like, what? You think it'd be, you know, the. The key engineer of that of Apple or something, um, and maybe that person too. So I don't know. But what what Hartman wanted to do with this, his vision was to have us have the ability to recognize and fulfill all the good within us and enrich enrich our lives. And he wanted to make that real. And because he was a philosopher and he'd experienced so much evil, he wanted to figure out how you measure good, and he found a way to do it. And so he wanted to make it a, make a, the world a place of goodness and peace. And when we are using our full value and the assessment scores can help us see how much of that we're using and you can see where can we go. And that's exactly how I've used it for myself. Uh, I've taken it every two years or, or more often sometimes just because of the nature of my work and I'm always using it. And I'm always curious to see where did I land? How am I doing? I used to have practical thinking with a negative bias, which meant I I knew what I needed to get done, but I had a negative bias, meaning I had an emotional distance or resistance to what needed to be done. So there was frustration. And I have now moved that to neutral or positive. And that has been with focus. And my thinking habit was to be frustrated about getting things done and now my thinking habit is excitement and much more clarity and I can feel the difference. And the only reason I can see it is because I, or really probably realize it is because I have this science to, to point me in that direction. When I first started my business, my role awareness was lower. That's the internal piece that's measuring identification with your roles, which makes sense. I wasn't as clear. I was trying to get all the, all the things going, you know, that you have to get going to start a consulting business. And so my first job was to myself for development is, okay, we need to get more confidence and role satisfaction. So that led me to understanding my role, going to more training. I needed to develop my confidence in these assessments and in facilitation. So I got certified in a bunch of different areas. And so now today, I mean, my role awareness is off the chart and my bias is slightly negative. So I'm wanting to move that. What that says is uh, that I sometimes undervalue my work or my role and I'm really working at okay that's emotional thinking I know where it comes from it's some of that is based on how I grew up and uh, some of the things I'm just doing so I'm in charge of that and I'd like to see a positive bias there's so I share all that personal stuff to just say it's powerful it's a I'm using it exactly the way Hartman wanted us to use it in regard to figure out there's a perfect model the pig farmer had it <laughs> And and move towards that because there's there's uh, fulfillment and self actualization in in applying that to your own life. And as you do that for yourself, you're better. You're more able to help other people. So rising, as a rising tide lifts all boats. So the stronger I am in my own role awareness and self direction and sense of self and all of those areas, then I'm stronger. I'm more resilient. I can bounce back. I can reach out and help others who are interested and want to know. So there's so much power in this, not only for hiring and so that we don't get situations like Dr. Hurt again, um, but it's just personal and, and professional development and coaching. You can you can use when you use Trimetrics in a coaching situation, you are moving way faster than if you were trying to figure all this stuff out. You could actually, for somebody who's interested and really wants to learn and grow, they can um, grow exponentially if they want, um, or certainly, if not exponentially, grow much faster with the information and insight from this assessment. Okay, so we're going to start to wrap up, and I want to mention that we went through the dimensional balance page And the Dimensional Balance page, those six dimensions that I shared with you, roll out into personal skills, and there's 25 personal skills, and there are things like customer focus and decision-making, goal achievement, interpersonal skills, objective listening, personal accountability, resiliency, results orientation, self-management, teamwork. I mean, there's 25 of these. And so when you get your results, you not only see this Dimensional Balance page, you really, what people who don't, aren't able to read the dimensional page or understand it, get these personal skills. And then in addition to that, you get the comparison to the job and you can see where they match. And what happens is that personal skills, all the personal skills that are listed are required for most jobs and all are job related. But most jobs only require the mastery of seven. So the benchmark is seven of the top personal skills most needed to be mastered in the job for success in the job. And what we've also found is, in you can look at someone's assessment, and if they have eighteen to twenty of the assessments at, above the mean, above population scores, then you are probably got a high performer, somebody who's got a lot of capacity and a lot of capability to perform well in many roles. And if you if you think about the so what of personal skills, take customer focus. If somebody has poor customer focus skills, you're going to get poor customer care. If somebody has poor decision-making uh, scores, you, there's going to be a lot of rework. If somebody has poor diplomacy and tax scores, they're probably going to irritate other people. If they have low goal achievement scores, they're going to be disengaged. Low interpersonal skills, they're going to be a poor communicator. Low uh, objective listening means they misunderstand requests and they don't really understand what you need. Low personal accountability they're going to say hey it's not my fault low resiliency this is, shows up resiliency is a skill that always shows up as needed on the job in sales positions if in stressful positions if they have low resiliency they can't bounce back they have a hard time there you know take them days to come back. Have you ever had anybody you worked that worked for you that had trouble handling stress well that's a piece of it low resiliency which goes back to what we covered earlier it usually it ties to a little bit of low sense of self, that internal scores, low role awareness, low self-direction. So they don't have the internal structure in place. So even though they're smart and capable externally, they can't get it done because they're, they're covered up with stress. They're not able to bounce back. So their performance is inconsistent. So you can tell I'm passionate about the personal skills because it really does give you insight. For coaching, it helps people figure out what they need to go work on. And for hiring, it says, okay, Here are some things I need to look at and follow up on to see if there really are going to be a long-term fit for the job. So those personal skills come from the dimensional balance page. And what we see with leaders and different research that we've done through TTI Success Insights is leaders, top leaders, have high personal accountability, high goal achievement, high interpersonal skills, high leading others, and high persuasion. So we always look for those skills when we're doing a benchmark or coaching. And say, okay. We need to look at that um, and look at those areas and say, you know, how are they doing here? Do they have some natural capacity here? So we've got um, gone through how I made a mistake early on in my career. We've gone through the history of Trimetrics We've talked about the three parts of TriMetrics, disc, motivators, and the personal skills. We drilled down on the dimensional balance page in those three dimensions, systemic, extrinsic, intrinsic, and then I talked about the six dimensions on the dimensional balance page, and then we just talked about the 25 personal skills. So, how do you use this? You use it for hiring. If you have a, have a benchmark and a talent report, you can use it to create job postings because you have more clarity about what the job needs from the job benchmark. Um, you can use it with a new hire to just show them, hey, this is, when we did a job benchmark, this is what we found was most important in the job. You can use it like I have a, um, through through my a vendor, I can compare multiple candidates with the benchmark and You can see five different people compared to what the job needs. You can use it in the interview process because we give you interview questions. If you're using it for coaching, you can take a hiring assessment and convert it to a coaching report. It's like 60 or 70 pages. And there's um, management staff, which is your general leader. You've got a sales version. You've got an executive version. You can also use that for, uh, new hires for onboarding. So they have, immediately have some development tools. And then I, I do, um, some online tools that I make available to my clients, debrief videos and things like that, that get people self-sufficient in understanding their results. Um, you can have triad conversations. I do that a lot where the the person on the job has their trimetrics assessment. They've, uh, read it. They've watched the debrief video. And then um, that we've had a conversation, and then I do a conversation between me, the employee who's had the person being coached, and the manager and we talk about the results and we talk about help help the manager better understand what this person needs to to, to be successful in the man being managed and motivated and communication and then it, it's just a powerful conversation that works every time. What I also do is use these, this material for team building. So we uh, have a talent tracker worksheet that we use and people share with the others on their team, you know, do's and don'ts around communication and how to work well together. And so it's just, you can tell I'm passionate about it because there's just so much good in it. And I'll close with a Dr. Hartman quote. Are you going to be happy? Are you going to be productive? Will you want to stay? Will you own your job? And will you contribute your talent generously? Those are the questions we're answer asking when we're hiring, when we're trying to find peace and fulfillment in our work individually. And, um, Trimetrics is a way to get those answers or at least get a big piece of the puzzle quickly. So I uh, hope you'll go look at some of the, the, I'll have a samples reports, uh, on the show notes page pricelessprofessional.com slash trimetrics T-R-I-M-E-T-R-I-X. I'll also have other material there. I'll have some pictures of the Dimensional Balance page. And I will, what else did I want to do? I, I have a cheat sheet. I have a Dimensional Balance page cheat sheet that I'll put up for you. And if you want to use that, if you have or are using Trimetrics and you want to use that cheat sheet, it'll give you some insights. So I appreciate you tuning in. Love talking about Trimetrics. I love the work that Dr. Hartman did. I love the value of this tool. It's helped me personally, and I've seen it help so many other people personally and professionally, and it's just uh, my joy to be able to become an expert in this. I'm actually going in two weeks. It's Thanksgiving uh, coming up this week, so the week after that, I'm actually so excited. I'm going to work with 13 human resource managers uh, for a about two days, and we're going to go through help them understand how how to interpret the disc assessment, interpret the motivators assessment, and then interpret the dimensional balance page and everything has to do with personal skills and you know how to do a benchmark. and We're going to get them um, trained up, as we like to say. And uh, I'm excited about their interest in it, and I just love having the opportunity to share. They they use the assessment in their company. Every single day, and so they want to have more strength and knowledge in the use of it. Do you have to be trained to do that um, like they're doing it? No, but they do do use it a lot. So uh, that's what I'm here for. I, I help make it easy. I do the best I can to make it easy and give written debriefs and you know provide online pay- self-paced tools to help people do it on their own who aren't going to go to a two-day class. So this podcast is a piece of that. I haven't done um uh, podcasts much. I've stopped at number 17. It doesn't mean I'm, this is number 18, but I have been just uh, booked solid, which is a good thing. I was booked solid probably most of September, October, November, and now going into December. So I'm squeezing this in. I'm up in a uh, big canoe at our mountain place and I'm in my little podcast uh, closet, which I call my quote unquote podcast studio, uh, trying to be fancy and, um, getting this done on a Sunday, so I don't, I don't, I want to continue to do my podcast, so I'm not leaving the genre. I'll be continuing. It's just, I, uh, my schedule has just been so full, so I'd like to be more consistent, and we'll get to that when we can. I am getting some help. I've got an audio editor that I've had all along. I've got a new microphone, so hopefully that sounds better. I've been working on the sound quality a little bit, and then I have someone now who is helping me with the show notes and uh, getting it up on, on my, um, media host and all that just to help with the timing. So hopefully we'll be cranking out some more. If you have ideas about uh, an episode or you wanted me to drill down more on something with Trimetrics, shoot me an email, Susie at com, and it's Susie S-U-Z-I-E, and I will happily respond, or you can always call me that information is always on my website at pricelessprofessional.com. If you want to look at all of the episodes, the set of, this will be the 18th one, as I said, um, you can go to wakeupyourworkforce.com and you can um, see all the different episodes there. So thanks for tuning in. Appreciate it. Many blessings. Thanks.